All right, guys. So we are back in the suite. My name is Rich, and uh, joining me as always are my co-hosts here. Uh, we got Yuriel. How you doing? What's up? And Matt, what's up? Hey yo. Guys, what is going on today? What is uh what's up in the uh, the world of the Private Suite podcast? I just got Yacht Rock Breaks two on tape, and I'm so hyped because it looks amazing and sounds nice. Still too. waiting for mine to come in. Hopefully, if if you got yours already, then mine should be coming. Uh, hopefully tomorrow, maybe you know, maybe the day after. But still waiting for it. Can't wait for it. Uh, Uriel, what's what's going on with you? Uh, I didn't get Yacht Rock Breaks on tape, but. Oh. I was listening to Synthwave. I was uh, listening to anything on New Retrowave's channel that had a car in the thumbnail because I like muscle cars. <laughs> That's like half their videos. They got like a Testarossa or a Ferrari or, or something. In yeah, there. pretty much. They're just cruising down a road into a sunrise. The other half is like 80s anime. Yeah, And exactly. I like that too, so it's golden. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice channel to put on and just kind of chill out too and just uh yeah it's it's cool and the visuals too are, are awesome on there oh yeah i bring out the horns when like i listen to uh new retro wave and all that synthwave stuff i don't bring out the horns very often even for metal but when i do you know it's some serious stuff <laughs> the horns <Nice>. what <laughs> you know like the metal horns like you um put your ring finger and middle finger down put your thumb in there too and leave your pointer and pinky up Oh, you mean that hand thing. Oh, I thought you meant like horns as in like a horn that you honk. Okay. No. No. What <laughs> What am it, I listening Matt. to this in my car? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You're just honking like in rhythm to like uh, to the synth wave or something like that. Well, sure. I actually, yeah, that's I know. exactly what I'm doing. I'm going to piss off my whole neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. I actually, I know a guy that like he, he wears this big orange like jumpsuit. And there's just horns attached all around him. And he just moves his body in different ways. And he just, he plays songs on it. I don't know. It's just, it's pretty insane. But he went on, I think he went on America's Got Talent. But they didn't like him, so. It's, uh, I, I mean, just listening to your description of him, I, I don't like him either, so. <laughs> Are you kidding? I love him. He's hilarious. All right. Whatever you say, Matt. <laughs> whatever you say. Uh, Matt, uh, aside from Yacht Rap Breaks, what are you, uh, what are you listening to this week? Well, I've been listening to a lot more indie rock. Um, got back into that because I bought um, I bought the entire business casual discography, so I started listening to too much vaporwave. Needed a break. <laughs> <laughs> I started listening nice. to nice. Um, Somersault a lot. Started getting into them this week. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. I was, yeah. Yeah, I uh, saw something posted on uh, one of the Reddits this week, uh, the subreddits about like I think like the top Future Funk albums from like 2018. Um, so I was listening to a bunch of that this week: Night Tempo, uh, Flamingosis, uh, Melanade, a bunch of stuff like that. So uh, it's been a Future Funk filled week for me. Melanade. For a second, I thought like he released an album called Lemonade, and you got it wrong. But then I was, oh wait a minute, it is Melanade. <laughs> it is Melanade. I and I, I thought I was like confused like when I first saw the title also, but like. No, it's Melanade, and it's a it is a <laughs> funky album. Very very good. Melanade, Lemonade. If you haven't listened to it yet, probably listened to it. YouTube's got his stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was a pretty good album. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's just get right into it today. Uh, we got a couple voicemails uh, to go over from the Private Suite Podcast Hotline. Uh, if you don't know the hotline already, the uh, the number is four one two four four Vapor. Give us a call with your uh, vaporwave takes or questions or anything like that. Uh, and we may uh, play them on the show for you. So we got a couple of them this week that we're going to uh, listen to, and we'll uh, we'll discuss. So uh, here we go. How's it going, guys? This is Jake Collin. Uh, I'm curious to know what your thoughts on uh, like certain kinds of physical releases are. Like, if there's anything like special that kind of draws you to certain physical releases. Like, I know there was that uh, that Bepis tape that had a bottle cap, and there's just like certain physical releases like that are really neat like splatter pattern of the vinyl and stuff. And this is anything that really draws you in about certain types of uh, tapes or vinyl or whatever. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Bye. Appeal of physicals. Uh, why do you guys like getting physicals? Why do you not like getting physicals? I know we all have different opinions on this. Ariel, why don't you start? Well, I'm not really a big fan of physicals. I find them cumbersome. 
Uh, I find them like a little annoying because I can just get them online and to charge for something else is kind of a bummer. It's more of like just a fun thing to have, like a trinket, which I can't really afford at the moment. And even then, like it's always on like some weird format I don't really have a player for. And that's not always a good thing. I get like it's an experience and stuff like that, but it's not for me. It's just not something I'm in the mood for. Yeah, I mean, that's that's totally cool. Um, you know, like getting a, you know, getting something in the mail, like getting a physical release in the mail uh, is, you know, cool. It's it's like, you know, something, something to look forward to, to to come in. And I think anyone who's ordered physicals, uh, Vaporwave physicals, knows that they don't always come in the most timely manner. And it can take quite a while to get them. Uh, so you sometimes forget about them and they show up and you're like, oh, this is this is awesome. This is a, a nice surprise that I forgot that I had ordered. Um, and, and it's the actual act of playing them is in itself like some kind of ritual. It's you have to consciously get up to take the physical release off of your shelf or your bookcase or whatever it is, put them in the player and play them and then change it out halfway through because most likely it's, you know, A side and B side uh, so that it's there's it's more involved than your typical just, you know, clicking play on a playlist on your computer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think one of the one of the key parts for me is that like it I, I can get very ADD when I'm listening to music and if I have a cassette I can just pop it in and I it's like I don't have a choice really of what to listen to unless if I you know have the energy to get up and change it but like who wants to wait for 20 seconds when a song's being fast forwarded it's like I have to sit down and I have to listen to the whole thing and I usually end up enjoying most of the songs anyways especially the ones that I didn't really like to begin with. I don't even know how a cassette deck, like an auto fast forward cassette deck, would even handle most like vaporwave cassettes. If you could even like fast forward through the, uh, you know, through a track or something like that, if it even be able to tell like where they start and where they finish. Then again, I don't really have an understanding of how auto fast forward works on a cassette. Well, I, so I don't know. I think um, I think auto fast forward is just like oh well, there's no sound here, or there's like almost no sound here. Yeah, it's probably the end of the song. So that's the what track. I'm saying. I think it would like a cassette deck from the eighties or early nineties would have a hard time like figuring out like actual tracks on like a vaporwave cassette. Yeah. I think I, I agree with you. Yeah. Like, like uh yacht rock breaks too. Obviously it's not going to be able to find the end of the song till like, what is it? Like 20 minutes are up. Well, or there something. is no, it's, it's, it's yeah, exactly. a side and B side. It's it, there's, yeah. there's a, a single track on the A side and there's a single track on the B side and that's it. Mm-hmm. But I think um, I think I think a lot of albums like I got is one called Tape Dreams. It was some I think like Vaporwave Two album I really like. I mean it can okay. it can you know find the end of that one, but I guess it just kind of I, it, yeah it definitely differs. A lot now, of what about probably don't keep like that in mind. odd physical releases? Like you have obviously you have cassettes, you have vinyl, you have the one off CDs that I've seen in some places, but then you also have floppy disks and you have mini discs and you have um like some game cartridges that people are, are putting music on like you know, what are your opinions on those i find it neato especially the game cartridges because now you have a visual component with them now you have something more than just audio now you have like a full experience with it although might be kind of wasteful might be kind of difficult to do not everyone's nes is working <laughs> i've never actually like seen one of these i i don't i've never purchased any of these these odd like game cartridge physicals like do they function just like a game you pop them in and it starts playing yeah, yeah it? pretty much i would I imagine mean, the thing about those games is that they mostly come from demo scene where they normally show like short animations with music or just okay music by itself and like a blank screen um yeah that's pretty cool the main problem is that these things aren't always done for Vaporwave. It's like predominantly just electronic music, not simply Vaporwave. In fact, I haven't really heard of many Vaporwave bands, acts, whatever, that really do it on like uh, video game consoles, and that doesn't sound right at all. No, I mean, it's, it's a completely different, you know, type of music at that point because you're compressing it and like breaking it down to just like the like completely essential sounds that they make and it doesn't sound anything like it unless like that is what the album is it's like a chiptune kind of oh yeah definitely music. yeah i think a lot of artists when they release something on a floppy disk or a game cartridge they keep that in mind and make the album so that it won't have to be changed to go onto it 
Yeah, I mean that's that's tough because you know those cartridges have like what like thirty two kilobytes of storage on them. Usually. Yeah, I think Game Boy was like forty two. Always the NES or like SNES. It can also be like N sixty four. That's the highest one with cartridges, I think. But even then, that's mm-hmm. not a lot. That's like a hundred megabytes or hundred twenty eight megabytes. Something like you that. have a point there. I guess you put in more. I I guess I don't I don't know. Uh, well, like sound files really don't take up that much space in comparison to like video. So if if you don't really have any any like like visual effects added onto it, and except for like a short little clip of like someone dancing or a car moving or something, it probably you would probably have a lot of space left over for the music. Yeah, I mean, I guess it it depends on what format you're doing it in. I mean, I. There's a big difference between like a 128k MP3 versus a like FLAC file or a WAV file or something like that, and and the sound quality is huge. Now, obviously, no one's putting WAVs or FLAC files on an NES cartridge or anything like that. You know, you could fit that album 128k MP3 onto like an N64 cartridge, but at the same time, you know, what's the point of of doing that? Mm-hmm. Again, the experience. Like, what could be more retrofuturistic than putting in music of a dystopia on something that actually came out that sucked? That is true. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, the, the last one that, that I think has been pretty popular is Minidisc. And that this one, I'm kind of, like, torn because, you know, I see, like, a Minidisc release. And I'm like, man, I should go on eBay and buy, like, a Minidisc player. And then you can buy them for, like, 50 bucks um, used. You know, there's a bunch of people that actually sell, like, brand new ones that they've had that just, they just never open. And they go for, like, two or 300 bucks. But at the end of the day with those, that's literally just really just an inconvenient MP3 player. Because I think you just put the digital files on a mini disc and then you're, you're playing the, the MP3s back off of this well, medium. It, I'm pretty sure it's still, like, WAV, though. But Are I, they? I think... It, yeah, yeah, just like regular CDs. But I think... There's like no purpose because you're buying um, a mini CD player. You spend like two or three hundred dollars on a player, put it put it on your desk, and then you have like one mini CD. Yeah, and they're really exactly. like mini CDs are really expensive. Like yeah, well they don't make them anymore. I don't think so. It's well they still I, they still like manufacture blank ones. Like you can still buy them and do they sell really? Them. Yeah, yeah, they do. I mean huh. they're probably pretty cheap to make, but like finding finding you know like some. 90s like rap artists or something you're not going to really find that very often on a mini cd and if you do it's going to be pretty expensive no in the u.s at least i don't think there was any major music ever released on mini disc maybe it go overseas in japan or something like that but techmon uh, did a video he said that they were pretty common back when he was a kid really mm-hmm. isn't techmon like common. british yeah he lives in the uk yes he is i mean maybe. like that's not the United States, if I recall correctly. <laughs> it is not, and you well, are no, recalling it's, correctly. I mean, yeah, true, but we're talking about like other countries. That's a good point. Yeah. So, regardless, I mean, it's like CDs and cassettes are ubiquitous around the world. Same thing with vinyl; you can find them pretty much anywhere. And then these other, like you know, higher quality, obscure formats are, you know, harder Let's to be find. Real novelties. It is. It is a novelty, especially like a mini disc. You look at something like that. It, it it's any kind of physical release other than a a cassette, a vinyl, or a CD at this point is basically a novelty. You know, it, it's something interesting, and yet you still look at it and it's still like, man, I really want that because that, you know, it's cool. And there's like twenty five of them, and that's it. It's cool. It's different, and it's rare. Yep. Exactly. You're in the club of like only 25 people or like uh, 15 people and a bunch of people bought doubles. I don't know. Or the, the <laughs> yeah, 50 exactly. people that actually care. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's move on to the next voicemail. Hi, Private Suite. Uh, I gave you guys a question last time, so I'm going to give you a new one now. It's been pondering me for a bit. So I just recently grabbed a deluxe edition version of uh, – Skylar Spencer's or AKA St. Pepsi's uh, first album of Prom King for the deluxe edition, which became with the golden vinyl, which is really good. But the strangest thing out of the entire package was I got a Skylar Spence uh, themed peppermint gum, which was strange. It was just a strip of gum that came along with it. So the question is that have you ever got any physical release or goods that were very strange and out of, out of the blue that just didn't really feel like it mixed with it. All right, thanks. 
glad you asked a person whose name I do not know. Um, I haven't had that happen to me per se, but I know what this is called. These are called feelies. They are like little bundled package things that they normally ship with video games, but this has also worked with other media like maps, um, food, um, booklets, stuff like that that show up with music, video games, and TV. Basically, they're just extra physical things to have alongside the original medium. And this also works for books too, like uh, House of Leaves. They have like a decoder in that. Yeah, I think this this stuff is pretty common now. Uh, not even that's just in like music or, or vaporwave, but uh, a lot of industries, you know, little startup companies or smaller, you know, small little companies and stores are are throwing in bonuses with their with their shipments and um, kind of just a little extra to get excited about when you open it. Oh yeah, um, definitely. I actually so I. I've gotten some stuff before and I got the one I, I remember, um, I think came from, uh, illuminated paths and I ordered a cassette that I don't even remember which one it was. Um, but I actually kept the envelope that it came in with the stuff because it was such like an eclectic mix of things. So like I got it like in front of me right now and inside of that envelope, I got, um, it's like a baseball card, but it has, Mickey Mouse looking in a mirror on it, and it says the true reflection. Um, What's in the it, reflection? It, it's it's him. Oh, it, it is an actual <laughs> reflection. Uh, but uh. there's a candlestick next to him, and there's a top hat in the reflection, but not on the table. Um, and the, mm. on the other side, he's dancing with a Queen of Hearts playing card. So that was um, interesting. Uh, I also got a like business card size card. On one side, it says muzzle. And the other side, it says FIM slash O. Um, yeah. Uh, I got a um, a blank Florida Mega Millions, uh, like, card that you would, like, fill in numbers for. So, like, if you're going to, like, pick specific numbers for, like, a lottery ticket in Florida, you would scratch this or, or mark this off with a pen and then give it to the, the vendor and they'd print out the ticket for you. So I got a blank one of those for if I ever go to Florida. And uh, finally, I got a... Um, <laughs> A pog with a, a dragon on it. Oh, well, thank God! Just in case you lived in 1994. Oh, seriously, I know. I mean, I was I was hoping I was going to get a pog. That's why I ordered the cassette. I was hoping they're going to randomly throw in a pog there. But yeah, I mean, that's what's a pog. I, I I remember opening this and it was the most random assortment of stuff to just be thrown. It's like, what did you ever? What did this person have on their desk in 1994? Like <laughs> you said, uh, and let's just throw it in this envelope. I mean, that's kind of cool. I like your uh, world's first radio unboxing. Yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> what? Wait, you hold guys on. I'll see that. I mean, the thing about like feelings and stuff is that it wasn't always uncommon. It's just, it's really expensive to do. Like, I remember there was this game company called Working Designs that did this with a lot of their games. And it's like the one influence they didn't have over the industry. You know, it's. You say it, it hasn't always been uncommon. It's expensive. You know, with the rise of social media and everything, I think I see it. You see it more often now because people like get stuff and then they can post it on Reddit or Facebook or, or Instagram or whatever. So people like know that it's happening. So maybe it probably has been happening for a while that people throwing in stuff like, you know, even if it's just like a sticker or something like that. Um, oh, sure yeah, that's happening. a good point. I think almost every cassette that I've ordered has come with like a sticker or something, you know, uh, business casual everything comes with a business casual sticker uh, it does yeah usually I mean, most of the ones i've I gotten have uh just their, like that, that circle logo sticker oh that's oh, really sticker. cool hmm. the guy in question had like uh saint uh, no, uh skylar spence themed uh peppermint gum yeah I'm like, that's pretty that's, cool that's that's, that's pretty that? unusual even as far as feelies go because yeah, uh that thing custom. is perishable you're not going to keep it around forever no, the gum only is food, not perishable. <laughs> the only food that doesn't perish is honey, and that can get caught on fire. Yeah. Oh, Just I well. think you need to know. When the, um, <laughs> was it Corrupted Data Corp with the, the Beepus album? I think when that originally shipped out, that came with like a custom bottle cap. Oh, I, think you I mentioned love the that. Uh, yes. So that was pretty cool. Like that was all printed. I, I just got his vinyl that came off of uh, Q-Rates. 
for that same album. And that didn't come with anything. That was just just the vinyl. Uh, but that also didn't come right from him or, or from the label. That was a, a separate pressing company. So I, I wasn't expecting anything to be included with that. Hmm. I got a, I got a floral shop a while ago, and it came with a poster. What's a floral shop, to... Matt? Oh, floral I've never shop? heard I of it. I think that's a. I think that's like this weird rock album. Yeah, huh. it's like heavy metal. Huh. Sounds lame. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But, well, what was the yeah. poster of? Was it like a spread, sort of like that Farrah Fawcett thing? No, it was because I, I got the. I have it also. Um, hold on, I can check. I got it right behind me. Keep talking. Okay. So yeah, what did you get in the poster, Matt? I got a poster in the poster. <laughs> You got a poster in the poster. Just you in asked, case you need you another get? poster. You, you asked what did I get in the poster? Yeah, yeah, what's on the poster? Oh, oh, well it's um it's like the the bust and then there's a hand reaching out and grabbing it and there's a fire. And then there's yeah. like so a it's, checkered pattern it's, underneath. It's like an alternate album cover. So it's it's the the checkerboard floor, the bust that's kind of like like flex a little bit the hand coming out of the fire and then like that splash of um I don't know if it's supposed to be like paint or blood or something like that with a pink background, a pink gradient background. I think it's got to be like paint. Yeah. I mean, if you put blood on there, there would be uh, some censorship, needless to say. <laughs> That's not something you can just easily do. Well, I mean, no, I don't think anyone's going to censor it. I mean, the album's like, the whole album's illegal, so it's not like the government's going to get it. Think of the or... children, Matthew. It needs to be censored. <laughs> yeah, think of the children. Right. It's for the children. <laughs> I'll be sure to do that. I, I got a, you know, I got a, yeah, I got a, a desert sand feels warm at night cassette, and it it came with this weird vaporwave magazine, and it was like it was like private suite or something, and I it was really interesting. Like, huh. I'm glad that I found out about that magazine. Huh. Sounds lame. <laughs> well, the only cassette I've ever bought ever. <laughs> Which wasn't vaporwave, so and it's like personal was like some personal friend of mine from across the seas. Basically, we came with potpourri, two photos of each of the collaborators on the cassette, like a little note and some drawings. That was what mm. I got in my feelies. That's cool. But it was kind of Wait. impromptu and like not professionally pressed at all. It's just like a common thing. Hmm. Why would guys- someone give you? potpourri or whatever that is with a cassette they put it in like a envelope along with the cassette yeah but isn't that the stuff you put in your toilet no it's the stuff you usually put like on your toilet to like mask yeah. your mask cassette oh god ser- oh man <laughs> i never yeah, knew that what? oh oh god wait i feel insulted it- a little bit now Using it for Matt, deodorant not, or like, something? Familiar with the logistics of shipping potpourri? Why would you ship it with a cassette? Why would you ship a like, Florida lottery ticket that thing with a cassette? Or a POG or a Mickey baseball card? Yeah, but those are so much smaller you can fit those in. But like with potpourri. How big do you, you think? Have... How much potpourri do you think he's getting? Well, it's like a little bottle, right? No, it's like a little baggie. That's it. A bag? Yeah, yes, a, a like bag a... of potpourri. They like shoved all that like papery stuff into a bag. It's like a dime bag of potpourri, basically. What? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I thought it was a liquid. <laughs> all right, okay, Matt, I have we're no... gonna have to we'll take just this. skip this. Th- we're gonna okay. give you a potpourri lesson off off air. <laughs> okay. Um, if anyone wants to to <laughs> teach Matt about potpourri, you can reach out to him individually I'm and, done and here. take care. We don't have the time for that. So, all right. Um, anything else in this? No, sir. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, what was our uh, what was our next topic that we had up for today? How would people react if Mossoft was played at an actual mall? Besides horrified. So I, I mean, was... I, I go ahead. You can start. I mean, like I've listened to a lot of Mossoft. It doesn't a hundred percent work as ambient. Like I try to just doze off or fall asleep and listening to it, and then something weird comes on. I'm like, oh shit. I, for me, like the the point of Mallsoft is to kind of like replicate that experience of being in a mall, right? Of course. Like you're, you're, it's supposed to be the experience of like walking through this like 
kind of empty mall, maybe busy, you know, however you, however you feel, but like that music playing overhead and a lot of the sounds that are going around and, and it just replicates that, that whole experience. So to have that played over the loudspeaker in a mall is just like, it's like mallception basically. Oh yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Actually. I don't know. It's, it, it'd be, it'd be odd. You know, I, there's, there's some interesting, you know, interesting videos like on YouTube, people kind of like edit, you know, older songs to have that sound of like being played in a mall. You know, like there's uh, one of like everybody rules, the, everybody, um, everyone, everyone wants ev- to rule the world. Everyone wants to rule the world, but it's played over the speakers of a mall. And the way they, they edited the sound on it and, and like that totally sounds like you're walking through like some mall in the early 90s and, and that is blaring overhead and you get the whole feeling of that. Didn't that song come out in the eighties? Yeah, but it's still it's still played in malls now. I think it's not like it came out in the eighties and that was it. That's a good point. So there's yeah, not I an think, expiration date on it. I think it would be. Uh, and I haven't it heard w- it in a mall recently, but then again, I haven't been to a mall in three years. See, well, that there's your problem. I think having that played in a mall would would be too much because since like Mallsoft is made to imitate the sounds of a mall playing like like it's it's always really um you know reverbed it has people talking noises that you would normally hear in real life but playing that in a mall with like actual reverb people talking and noises that you would hear in real life would really just be too much because it's like you know it's mall times two mallception as uh rich said yeah Yeah, but even then it's it's you know it it's it's replaying ambient things that are happening at the, like at the same time like you're experiencing yeah. these ambient noises but they're playing more ambient noises <laughs> but it's the same ambient noises that you're experiencing yeah it oh, just yeah. kind of becomes white noise yeah I mean, like it, it it's almost gonna be like, even louder it becomes not just white noise but like infrasound it starts to creep you out i guess yeah, like it'll be disorienting disorientating for to a point so um yeah i don't i do not think it would go over well if if uh like palm mall or something like that started playing at you know, whatever mall, suburban mall you're thinking of, but yeah, that would not be good. <laughs> Plus, people yeah. would probably be pretty weirded out to begin with because it's just kind of very, uh, very different. Yeah, exactly. Now, maybe you take something like you know, uh, like a mall soft album, and you play it over like an abandoned mall, and you treat that as like an experience of kind of walking through this like empty mall, but it's still filled with these like ambient you know, sounds of like a lively mall or, or, or a mall that's still in existence. Now that could be, that could actually be quite interesting. Oh, that yeah, would, that be, would be killer if I could like afford the land rights to a mall. I mean, We're buying a mall, now. guys. You could probably, uh, <laughs> they're pretty cheap. You guys True, heard it here first. All shutting down. Private Sweet Mall. Private Sweet Mall. Is, is coming. We'll start it's a liquid. Talking. It's a liquid. Okay. <laughs> All right, anything else in this? Uh, nah. All right, so finally today, uh, we have a new member of the Private Suite podcast team to introduce. Uh, his name is Indy. He's going to be helping us out with some production, uh, as well as doing some exclusive interviews with various uh, members of the Vaporwave community, ranging from producers to artists and uh, basically anyone who we find uh, interesting and interesting enough to join us on the show. So, Indy, welcome to the uh the Private Suite Podcast team. How are you doing today? Thank, I'm great. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. So, uh, just maybe just give us a little bit of background about you know your like your involvement in the scene and and you know music and just you know who you are real quick. Sure, I'm a musician. I love vaporwave. I've been collecting cassettes specifically for a couple of years, maybe two or three. I uh, I'm active in the communities. Um, I support artists independently on on Twitter. I work with Private Suite in other areas, like you know, with the website and um, doing a bit of writing. I write my own music. I make films, actually, as well. Um, I have a podcast of my own. I I do, uh, and then I work full time also. So I, yeah, there's a there's a couple things going on. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think anyone's doing Private Suite full time right now for their uh, for their uh, livelihood yet. Yeah, maybe, maybe one maybe day, someday, but. Uh, 
but yeah, it's great. You've uh, you've you've hit the ground running. You've you've been doing a lot for for Private Suite in general. We're we're ecstatic to have you on here to to contribute to the podcast. Um, and so uh, so today you got an interview with Crunk Chris. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Well, uh, it it was a fantastic interview. It kind of worked out pretty easily because he lives in Toronto or close to it. I also live in Toronto, so we were able to just get together and actually enjoy some time together as well. Um, he's an artist. I think I give some detail on him in the episode, but yeah, he's been in the music industry for a long time, maybe, maybe 20 years actively. Nice. Nice. Cool. So, uh, without further ado, uh, here is, uh, the indie exclusive interview with Crunk Chris. Hello, it's Indy. And today I'm joined by Mr. Crunk Chris the owner of three Vaporwave labels, Tiger Blood, Legendary Entertainment, and DIY Trashateria. He wears many hats. He's also a producer under many different aliases. So uh, welcome, Chris. How are you? Hey, Andy. What's up? Not much, man. Uh, you excited to be here? Yeah, super stoked. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. I, I'm, we're definitely excited, too. So uh, tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, like, you know, How did you get into Vaporwave? You're a, a big fan of music. Wow. How did it get started? Well, I've been into music since I've been a toddler, basically. Um, yeah, I've just always been loving music, period, since I was a young kid. Yeah. Breaking my parents' records, uh, scratching them up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I guess fast forward a bit, mid-school, I had a huge um, love for hip-hop. I became a hip-hop head around that time. Yeah. I found, um, yeah... I was borrowing tapes off of friends at school, dubbing some of them. Um, oh, wow. Sometimes I was like, hey, I love this album. I'm going to just go and buy it myself, you know. And from there, I just started to, yeah, I've always, like, collected a lot of music. Yeah. Because I always had, a, like, a collection of records from my parents since I was really mm-hmm. young. So. Kind of inspired by them. Yeah. And then, I guess, later on, um, around 1999, I was doing a little bit of, DJing and then from there I started to produce a few tracks mostly drum and bass ones I started out doing um DJing under Heatbag and then later D Engineer for um production from there I guess I started to do more I was actually trying to be like a breaks new break sounding artist but oh, I found crazy. uh the stuff just came out differently. Yeah. So I started to call it more drum and breaks. I made like slowed down um, drum and bass breaks a lot with different bass lines and probably more drum and bass ones too. But then I would use like hip hop style like sequencing and speeds on tempo and the tracks, you know? So it was That's kind wicked. of like, yeah, fusion genre a bit, but. I would say it's just like experimental beats, basically. But yeah, yeah, no, that's that's cool. And then, so you made your wave into vaporwave. Well, yeah, I always loved doing like um, visual art, drawing a bit, like when I was younger. But later mm. on, I found my favorite was always just doing photo montages. Yeah. So I found, um, like, even on early album covers, they look kind of vapory from just doing that, you know. But. Uh, so when I kind of heard about the genre way later on when it formed up, well, I guess the real reason why I really loved Vaporwave, for whatever reason, I just loved hearing C-Punk instrumentals from probably, I can't remember if that was 2010 or 2011. No, sorry, it was probably 2011, 2012 when that was like kind of getting a little bit bigger. And I really liked those at the time. C-Punk instrumentals? Yeah, like what, C-Punk music. Oh, okay. Um, and I just found... Because I was working on a lot of underground hip-hop beats and uh, mm. experimental hip-hop beats for years. And I don't know, I wouldn't say I was getting burnt out on hip-hop, but I just always like listening to electronic music and uh, rave music all along. I've always liked instrumental stuff. Yeah. Uh, jazz. Like, I've listened to everything, reggae, even classical, like, there's all sorts of music I'm into. Cool, because there's some people that, you know, go vaporwave or nothing else, right? Well, I found... So basically, C-Punk kind of went defunct 
within a year and I found no one else was making stuff. It mm. wasn't as big as it was at that time. Yeah, I'm surprised I haven't heard of it. But Some of the artists kind of moved on. So later on, I was just like, oh, cool. Um, Vaporwave sort of seems like C-Punk 2.0, you know? Cool. And um, I had a few tapes here and there that I guess I got from Bleep. I saw they started to carry some Dream Catalog stuff. Mm. So I like started to order some tapes from them around 2014. And then um, like I've always had tape collection going for years. But then after late 2015, early 2016, I heard um, a couple of tracks off of the HKE This album. Okay. And I really liked how it sounded like Vapor Beats and more lo-fi-ish, but I didn't even know like lo-fi was sort of the new boom bap at the time. But mm. I, um, that's kind of what got me more into Vaporwave. I'm like, oh, cool. Uh, I didn't realize there was more beat-oriented Vaporwave out there. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, it peaked in interest big time, and I kind of, I guess, got obsessed trying to find more music that sounded Okay, so at what point way. did you realize it was a like a, it was called vaporwave, for example? Probably around 2013, 2014, yeah. I started hearing that like a couple of years after C-Punk. Mm-hmm. So it just seemed like the natural progression of that genre. So that's sort of what got me into it. Okay, and I wasn't really buying a whole bunch of stuff. Like when I saw the odd thing or artists that I'd known, I kind of grabbed an album from yeah them, you know, you know? you'll have to show me some stuff sometime yeah absolutely so tell us a little bit about uh, what it is you do now so now um i found i'm just doing more of the label side of things initially when i got into music around 99 i figured like hey i want to not have to really look for a record label to put out these albums that i'm making right now yeah so why don't i just start my own in order to support getting my own music out you know for sure and so what and it just started start from there yeah yeah exactly so uh what projects are you working on right now um i think your discog says you've been at it since 2003 well under the name crunk chris but i started doing like um beats instrumentals probably from like late 1999 actually yeah holy crap (laughs) that's amazing thanks yeah that's really cool man um so uh and your labels like you've got tiger blood yeah there's tiger blood tapes um legendary entertainment that's the one i started like in 1999 wow and then um it's there's over like close to 400 releases on the holy cow so far so Um, cool put a lot out over the years so the way that kind of formed um like i said i told you earlier i was just sort of doing it to as an outlet to get my own music out yeah and then um i connected with a few different artists that i met like on the underground hip-hop scene like uh mocha only shout out to mocha only wow swollen members I asked him if he wanted to do some of his solo stuff through my label, and he's like, yeah, sure. So I kind of redid his uh, stuff on CD and tape at the time. Crazy. And, yeah, still work together over all these years, so wow. that's pretty dope. Um, Amazing. And several other artists, so it just sort of went from there. Yeah. And I was doing a lot of underground hip-hop for years through there. Noah23, he's kind of distributed most of his music through the label, too, so... He's one of the homies. Shout out to him as well. Nice. Man, it feels like you've gotten your hands on so many different things through your through the years. Like you've had your hands on everything. Yeah. So I've worn many hats over the years. Um, yeah. I found in the last little while, like time-wise, things have just gone more towards doing the label side of things in mm-hmm. the last year. It's just the demand's been there. It's been busy. When I'm not working, I'm kind of like doing this so this is yeah. taken yeah yeah for sure it's uh once you <laughs> once you pop you can't stop yeah that's not what they say it's true yeah so <laughs> i just found that like for years i've been plugging at it and um i kept doing my music too but i'm finally starting to see like the labels are um having more releases through them people are uh, grabbing a few more tapes than before you know so it's yeah there's cool. a lot of loyalty out there right now that which is great so thankful mm-hmm. for everyone's support and love and 
Yeah. Oh. Try to just put out quality music. Oh, well, you certainly do. That's part of why we wanted to have you on for this interview. uh, Started another label, too, actually, last year, a small outlet, uh, DIY Trashateria. So basically, that was just sort of more like a micro-label outlet where I guess people in Vaporwave values argue, is there space for, like, micro-labels or are you trying to get your music bigger? So I guess there's arguments on both sides of the coin, right? It doesn't matter. Like, there's always two opinions to everything. But just in general, I would say, why can't you have fun? Why isn't there a place for that, you know? Mm -hmm. So this is like a highly experimental outlet, um, satirical music. Yeah, certain parts of it, yeah. So anything of that nature stream is like fitting or appropriate through there, I guess. Yeah. Um, Not even sometimes the music, like... We've recently had a floppy disk from Mitro on there, which the the media itself is sort of the parody, not the music, you know, because mm-hmm. it was like done at 8-bit uh, MP3s deliberately just to fit on the disk. Yeah. <laughs> so when you listen to it, it's like um, you can hear the tracks, but they probably don't sound their ideal state, you know? Yeah, well... That's the that's the economy of it, right? The sacrifice. Yeah. For the so medium. it's all good. They're cool to collect. It's sort of like having a baseball card, I guess. Sort of, you know. Yeah. Or you can you can play you it can still. So too, it's, yeah. yeah, I guess it's still playable, but <laughs> to each their own, right? Yeah. So, how would you say your your labels, your Tiger Blood, and the others, sort of fit in in the broader scope of the overall? vaporwave community and um, you can maybe talk about the aesthetic um, the vision of the of what you have and the philosophy of what you're going for well i guess they technically tiger blood tapes is an instrumental label right instrumental music so okay it's not just bound to doing vaporwave only there has been a lot of love for vaporwave but if you notice like we put out the first instrumental beat tape for DJ moves from uh, Len and Cryptic Souls and uh, wow. oh, Hip Club Groove, like legendary DJ from Canada. Nice. Um, so like, yeah, he's been a friend of mine for years. We've done some of his stuff before on Legendary. Um, he has his own label, Low Pressure, like that's done Wicked Underground Hip Hop for years, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's that's great, man. And try to keep it where I would say there is vaporwave, definitely quite a bit of it, but not everything sounds the same or it's not going to be like just one type of vaporwave. We try to be like diverse and just... Nice. No, it's good to make that distinction. And for that label, I would try to put out, like I even said, because I release my own music too, that... uh, I'm not even going to necessarily release some of my own music through there because I just want to put out what would I buy myself and not to say I wouldn't buy my own music, but I don't know, like the selection process, I just try to keep it really quality over quantity. Okay. Um, So it's all about passion, really. Yeah, and like stuff that I really would just be like, oh, I wish that was on tape. Mm -hmm. That's what I try to put out only on Tiger Blood tapes, Mm -hmm. you know? Oh, that's awesome. Um, Whereas with Legendary Entertainment, that label's been going for a minute. It's multi-genre. It's diverse. The quality level's very high, but like it's not just one sort of music. There could be rap coming out, underground hip-hop, um r&b stuff rock it doesn't matter what you know Mm -hmm. but so like i've put out a lot of different music through the years through that label i've just sort of had a lot of overflow when stuff has already been booked and ready to go through tiger blood tapes where i figure hey like some of this music's wicked and i want to have it come out like it's super dope and there's a perfect outlet for it you know that's amazing man you seem so passionate about it well thanks um and so what about diy trashateria so the whole thing with that label is um, like I'm open to putting out any type of experimental parody, satire music, yeah. whatever, you know, um, 
even like really quirky formats like if people had any ideas and one that come through with yeah them. some some people are calling it like meme wave not not diy trash yes but that yeah style well and that too exactly um meme so paper. anything like that is highly welcome there yeah so like and you put out some physicals as well. On oh, every release has a physical oh, to wow. it. So, like, basically, just trying to just make it where it's 10 tapes only for every release. Um, we won't ever repress anything. Mm -hmm. um, I think we did 30 of the Mitro disc just so, like, he's a more yeah. uh, noted artist where people want to collect his stuff. And I think it's not fair if we only make 10 of them, so at least 30 is decent if... Yeah. People later are kind of like, yo, I want one of those for my collection. I missed it. It'd be impossible to probably try to find one of the 10 later on. So at least 30 is like yeah, more moderate. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, speaking of Metro, how did you, because you have uh, some of his work on your other label. How did that uh, come into fruition? So we um, connected with them early on when I was forming up Tiger Blood Tapes and just like said, here, let's yeah agreed let's try to put his music out do nice tape format for it mm -hmm. on like uh chrome tapes with like really good design work on it mm -hmm. um, yeah I wonder, well, we're talking about uh, dragon ball wave right yeah yeah so yeah, like we wanted to give it some justice and make sure it was like nice colored cases uh mm -hmm. just really embellished and lavishly done you know so that was the whole objective there and um it's like a personal favorite and the really genre well. and uh, just super thrilled and much love to Mitro. Uh, he's the man, you know? Yeah. I love his music. Same here. Yeah. Personally, like love it. So, mm -hmm. so happy, you know, that we working together and putting his music out yeah. on the label. And man, like I said before, you've got your, you've done so many things. It's, an, it's insane, man. I can't get over it. Thanks. I, I had no idea really. Wow. Um, so speaking of music that you've created, do you have a favorite release of yours or, um, you know, maybe one that you're happy with because it did the best, like it sold the most or it got the best reception? That's really tough to say actually. Cause like, do you mean of my own personal music or like an album I put out through the label? Your music. Of my own stuff. Um, huh. I didn't really try to repeat like the sounds too much when i've made different albums um so probably personal favorite yeah I, they've been different slightly from album to album and there's definitely tracks that i really like from each of them um maybe as a whole album i might have to say i kind of made like a long beat tape sort of album in 2007 called beats to get you hooked mm -hmm. and um I kind of like that one. I sort of just threw in a whole bunch of random tracks that people didn't rap on that I had like stacked up from almost 10 years of like six, seven years of work at the time Wow! that I just sort of had on the shelf. And yeah. uh, I picked out some personal favorites from it, some stuff that I figured, Hey, this probably not going to get anyone to rap on this. Mm. Uh, maybe a few beats. Yeah. A few other ones from upcoming projects, a couple of instrumentals from, the Crunk 23 albums that I did with Noah 23. I nice. sort of had like a Vaporwave track on two on that one, I think, where yeah. classic style where it was more just yeah. slow down with few chops. Um, mm -hmm. That's awesome. But I made it like filtered a bit, but yeah, yeah not as much as like say present Vaporwave. But yeah. I guess the idea was sort of still there just from mm -hmm. the standpoint. Mm -hmm. but, yeah, you've been doing music for so long. I guess it's hard to choose, um, you know. Yeah, and, it's, and, and all it's of your music hard is to, so different too. Yeah, it's hard to pick like a really top personal favorite. And I guess like no, no I got to check out more of your stuff, man. That's awesome. Thanks. Um, so uh, we'll move on to the next question, if that's cool. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what do you think the future of vaporwave labels is? Mm, like in what sense? Uh, different challenges that might arise uh, based on you know competition, artists you know getting too big for labels to be able to handle them maybe. Um, I guess with 
that's hard to predict, you know, but in terms of like a couple of trends you can foresee that'll be challenging will be um, the ever increasing costs of like materials and how much you're paying for tapes. Like the t uh, price of that's gone up recently in the new year. Oh yeah. Um, same with ever increasing postage costs globally, not just from one postal service, you know, so that's probably another huge challenge for labels and artists to overcome regardless if you're like selling your own music or a label selling it for you. It's, mm. So I don't know like how that works out in the end of the day, right? How yeah. high will they get over time and mm -hmm. are people willing to pay for the product at the increased price? That's sort of the question, right? Yeah, I know people are getting more sensitive about it by the day, it seems yeah well i can understand why right like some of the shipping costs are expensive depending on where where the, you're from yeah where you're located and what postal service is available to you to ship out especially internationally um, some of them are very expensive depending on location and uh, that probably is a challenge in itself even presently you know so mm -hmm. yeah well, i guess if you look back over the years things have kind of changed a lot um i i wasn't realizing it a lot at the time but this like almost have different tiers or phases of vaporwave and the iterations of selling tapes right now there's a lot of people hopping on the band bandwagon sort of yeah well i guess there's good pros and cons to everything right like in life but same with that it's good that the genre is growing and getting more exposure there's probably some negative aspects that go along with it too everyone has different opinions too on that sort of thing some people like so-called growth and progress others sort of like to keep things more inclusive so it, it varies right it depends everyone's sort of different I mm -hmm. think. on that note uh, can you tell me about some trends that are happening in Vaporwave? Like, you know, I mentioned things have changed over the years um, and how they sort of impact the way the music is made and released. I guess there's been, there's different stuff everyone likes, right? So it, you're obviously going to see more probably splintering and experimentation happen over time, just like any genre gets over time, right? And people want to, try different stuff so you could probably see that happening mm -hmm, um, branching out a bit yeah and it's already happened quite a bit where there's so many subgenres that have sort of branched off and splintered from just vaporwave in general you know i guess there's even people that are sort of doing slush wave now as a genre which is awesome uh like telepath inspired stuff not like his present work but obviously his older works yeah. like had that vibe to it he's doing more i think um synth based stuff now isn't he which is cool like kind of more chill wave sounding but like i know some people miss his old stuff i guess same here depends right but mm. to each artist like you can't really tell them what's right and wrong for them to make um people progress and they kind of maybe feel sometimes i've done that already I want to move on and do something different. So you can't hold anyone back for feeling like that, you know? Yeah. That's the way they feel about their art, even though. Yeah, like, no, I guess we've seen that a lot. Yeah, like that happens in so many different types of music and types of art, period, you know? Mm -hmm. So I guess fans sometimes uh, demand and expect things, but on the other hand, the artist is doing that for passion and love and their outlet, so if they want to do something different and their passion moved, you know, like they have to do what's right for them. Yeah. It's a really uh, interesting and complex thing when that happens, you know, it's, it's hard not to offend anybody when you want to change your, your yeah. sound though. So <laughs> well, it just do? seems kind of ironic though, that people are getting offended over instrumental music where there's no vocals. <laughs> At the yeah. end of the day, you know, versus like when there's some types of music that actually have offensive or explicit lyrics or different messages in them. Yeah. Then it, it's that's usually more in your face about it. But so it's funny that, that the people even feel that way sometimes listening to music when it is all instrumental for like the very most part of it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well. uh, where do you see Vaporwave 
um, moving to over the next you know two years, five years, even maybe ten years. Right now, we're certainly in a future funk. Get it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pun intended. Yeah. Uh, not at the time, but I'll take it. Um, I guess it's so difficult to say. You can't really predict what are people going to like next, you know? That's why I think at the end of the day, you have to sort of, in terms of doing the label, release what I would want to personally buy. And it might not just be one specific thing, and I'm not really willing to try to just over-focus on one type of thing only like mm -hmm. i kind of like diversity and having different options always for anything so. yeah well speaking of diversity i was gonna bring up the uh the idea of maybe a new medium for the genre to be put onto and it turns out that you actually have done that recently can you tell us a bit, a bit about that it was a burner phones is that is that right i think it was on yes. Bandcamp daily yeah actually that's right days ago. um with geo metro andrew selliers shout out to him he's awesome mm. um and over in philly he's rocking it uh that guy's so creative and original like he's the man you know he did the mac before like that was decorated by sarah that was a giveaway at the end of his first album, Ravage 2099, which was like a cassette store day release that we put out on Tiger Blood. His latest album, Skivias, that one's the one with the burner phones for it. Okay. It's really cool. Uh, he actually came up with the concept for it. That's all him. Oh, all yeah. credit goes his way. Nice. Um, he sort of formatted everything so it his albums in there and all the extra goodies that are on the inside the memory card i guess mm -hmm. um how many did you sell uh we did like initially four but then we expanded the run up to like 25 phones and just recently did a second run that's incredible so like uh yeah it's... he came up with it and he sent them my way and i sort of tried to decorate them in spirit of Sarah's uh, Mac release on the previous giveaway. Yeah. And then um, also he sent through a BlackBerry Passport, the uh, Silver Edition one. No way. So that's going to be a giveaway that we're going to do at the end of the burner phone run just for um, everyone that bought a tape or a burner phone, they're automatically entered in the draw for it. Nice. So when, That's really thoughtful. Like, yeah, he wants to do that, and that ha also has all of his videos on it. Um, it's really cool. I think we posted a video or two of it already on uh, Facebook, and I think he's posted it also. So um, look out for that once the phones and tapes are done. Uh, we'll do the draw for the BlackBerry. Wicked. So cool, man. Like, what's going to be the next media? Maybe they'll do, like, floppy B discs, you know, those big ones. Oh, like a real floppy disk. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who could really access the data off of it, though, right? Yeah. I wouldn't even be able to make one personally. Yeah. Like the 3.5-inch ones, that's fine. I Yeah. Yeah. No. I've got an external. I have still a tower computer that has it inside it for that's been running for years so mm -hmm. like that's still kind of accessible to some people but i think if you go back to the big floppies um it'll no. be tough to try to even make them you know yeah for sure so apparently you've thought about it no i actually seen somebody use the housing for the disc and they pulled the i guess data piece out of it oh cool and uh like slit the top and they were using it as a cd case kind of i guess yeah. the cd fit in it and they put nice. their own like stickers and art and sprayed it up and there you go that was pretty cool yeah it's, um, i love it when people get creative like that um so why don't you tell us something about your you know your personal life um get away from all this vaporwave nonsense <laughs> you know what do you do with your free time like who are you hmm. so in my free time i'm probably spending some time with my wife visiting my parents um living that good old standard life yeah it just family life i guess um, eating healthy i eat healthy i like to barbecue in the summers i love to garden too oh, obviously sick. I garden too. yeah i do the nice yeah i noticed oh um, yeah it, we're, the, we're at my house right now 
uh, to everyone that's listening. And uh, yeah, and hence the pepper sauce. I was sort of just growing them every uh, yeah, summer in my so yard. Cool. So you have hot sauce, like pepper sauce that you make yourself. Yeah. It's on tiger blood? Yeah. Like mm. one of my friends was like, why don't you just call it tiger blood? Because I was looking for a oh. name. <laughs> Actually, it was Liam Wells. Oh, yeah. In Copap. Really? Yeah. Oh, I know So him. shout yeah. out to him. He, yeah. He, um, he was like, yo, just call your sauce tiger blood. I'm like, you know what? Dope idea. Yeah. Thank you. You know? Sick. Yeah. So do you have any interesting stories you can tell us? Like where something unexpected happened with a release or, um, you know, something exciting? Yeah. When I was doing a show recently for the Specialized Dandelions Project, I got invited uh, by the dupe shop to do one of their, their first like vaporwave night live in Toronto back in December. Yeah, that that was pretty recent. Yeah, that's uh that's not too far from my house actually. Yeah. They're awesome. The dupe shops like you know, yeah. Shout out to favorite. Garrett. Yeah, he's an awesome dude. Um same with Stefan, their whole crew is good there. The dupe shops like yeah, probably one of my favorite stores to go to. Um yeah, they did a show that day. I did like a live set and I actually met um Waterfront Dining there and um Kelly that runs Adhesive Sound, so that was pretty dope. Wicked. Um, yeah, I remembered they were like, like I knew Adhesive Sounds was a Toronto artist, but I had no clue Waterfront Dining was. Mm-hmm. So it was awesome to actually meet both of them in real life yeah, off the internet, you know? For sure. And I I actually looked up where he was from, and it was really hard to found, find, but I found one website where there's this uh, really avid fan of his and he wrote all these kind of personal diaries about his experiences with the records. I and saw I think that. He... Yeah, I was reading that a couple of months ago, actually. I think he was in Florida, the writer, right? Yeah. yeah he was cool. going through all of them that mm-hmm. he listened to. That was really dope. I like mm-hmm. that. Certainly interesting. But anyway, sorry to cut you off. Oh, no worries. Yeah, and we have one coming from him really soon, actually, on Tiger Blood. Uh, Wicked. In another week, I guess. Yeah, I saw I the announcement for that. That so, looks like a nice tape. It's uh thanks. It's Daydream. Um, one of my personal favorite albums of his, or probably my personal favorite, I would say. So. Oh, awesome! That's man. why I asked them to release that one. Well, I guess we're gonna wrap it up soon. Um, before we do, I, do you have anything that fans can look forward to coming up? Um, you have mentioned a few things, I guess, like the um, tape there. But well, next on uh, April twentieth, there's gonna be the Dragon Ball Wave final. Um, yeah. So look forward to that. That's going to be our next um, big release. Yeah, awesome. Um, also, stay tuned. You'll see more new stuff okay. beyond that from Tiger Blood. Cool. Um, Sakura Lee, we're going to have a floppy disk for him very soon. Nice. I love his work. Same here. So that's cool. Um, you'll see an announcement shortly. Mm. Legendary. There's tons of stuff. Won't spoil it. You'll see soon. Okay. I'll keep my eyes oh. peeled. Um, from me personally, uh, specialized dandelions. I'm doing another album, and I'll put that out on Seiko Mart when it's done again. But uh, oh yeah, they put out one of your other tapes too, right? They did in 2017, the nice. first one for specialized dandelions. Awesome. I actually recorded that album mostly summer 2010, and uh, just touched it up maybe a couple of weeks before I sent it into them. I sent it in alongside um another album that i made too and they preferred that one over the other so oh, okay. i figured like i'll go with that project yeah for them, for right? sure. no i love seiko mart Same I, have, here. I have a lot Collected of their stuff a lot of their tapes so yeah they're yeah, great i saw your your picture of all of the cardboard boxes with oh, the yeah, strings the, the uh, stamp up with yeah. their logo as well yeah. <laughs> that's amazing man Thanks. such a good idea oh, cool well i guess we'll wrap it up um do you have anything you wanted to say before we do I'll have an album coming out very shortly on uh, Understall with um, Horizon. It's sort of drum and bass. Um, nice. Love drum and bass. Thanks. So that's the next one I kind of personally coming out. I have a project I've been working on since 2009, Crunk Exploitation, yeah. where it's all black exploitation movie samples. Oh, Not wow. like vocals, just mostly all like noise and. Uh, I would say it's lo-fi plunder phonics beats. Mm. Um, I kind of use more like 90s pen and pixel G-funk looking aesthetics for it. But 
the so sounds specific, aren't man. I love, I love that it, way at all. What we go for, it's awesome. And I've been working on that project actually since 2009. Yeah. So I don't want to make a part two to it. I've sampled over like 70 different movies, and I figure I just want to exhaust all the samples and use the best um, yeah. tracks from that whole session before I Gnarly, man. like actually drop that. So I'll put that out like one day when I'm finished working on that. Awesome. Time permitting. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming out. We really appreciate Thank it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it was it was awesome. We had a lot of fun. Same here. Okay. All the best, my friend. All right. Take care. Thanks a lot. And now we're going to feature a song that uh, Chris and Matro worked on together from uh, Dragon Ball Wave 3, and it's a bonus track from the record. It's called Super Saiyan, and here it is. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us today. A big thank you to Crunk Chris for sitting down with Indy for that great interview. If you want to reach us on social media, you can find us uh, on Twitter at Private Suite Mag. Uh, for the podcast, it's at Private Suite Pod, Facebook.com slash Private Suite Mag, Instagram.com slash Private Suite Mag, and of course, Patreon.com slash Private Suite Mag. If you have any questions for us, if you want to give us your take or just call to say hi, call the Private Suite hotline at 412 412- Four four vapor. That's four one two four four vapor. We'll listen to your voicemail and maybe even feature you on the next episode. Uh, on behalf of Matt and Uriel, signing off today. See you next time. Later. <laughs> <laughs>